Welcome to the podcast of the Pilates Alliance of Australasia. The PAA strives to continue promoting the expansion of the Pilates method as a professional and valued healthcare and fitness discipline. The goal of the PAA podcast is to explore the many facets and layers of the Pilates industry through conversations with the community. I'm your host, Daniela DeFabio. Welcome to the show. Many Pilates business owners I've spoken with confess that the financial aspect of running their business is often the most challenging. Their forte lies in engaging in and teaching a movement-based practice that focuses on human movement, bodily kinesthetic intelligence, and interpersonal skills. It is a far cry from number crunching, and although some may be fortunate enough to be skilled in this field, others find the financial side of business operations daunting to say the least. For instructors who do not have backgrounds in business, finance or accounting, the thought of developing a business mindset and the skills needed to create and maintain a viable business can be overwhelming, especially if they have not been business owners previously. In this podcast, I seek to address this issue by exploring the things that should be considered when opening a Pilates studio, namely the financial considerations. With me is Nick Formichella, a chartered accountant based in Adelaide who has been running his own practice, BCFR Chartered Accountants, for 30 years. Nick's clients have ranged from those who simply require individual tax returns to publicly listed companies. He has also worked with small to medium-sized businesses. I am certain that Nick will be able to help those of us who are not so financially business savvy become a little more so. Hello, Nick. Welcome to this podcast, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Daniela. It's a pleasure to help contribute to the Pilates PAA podcast. If someone came to you for advice about opening a new Pilates studio, what would you tell them is the first step that needs to be taken? The first thing I would do was try and assess their experience and qualifications discuss their business history, their current financial position, where they're looking to start their business, looking at location, which would then lead on to the rental expenses associated with that location, the size of that location, their setup budget, and their potential client base. Once I've had a discussion around those topics, then I can look at moving on to what advice I can give them if I deem that they have a very little chance of success given their experience qualifications, their financial position and the market conditions, i.e. if they're coming to me during a COVID period, not conducive to starting a successful business, then I may advise them to work with an industry and try and pick up some more experience, build up a bigger client base, do things that will ensure that success will come a bit easier down the track. We also look at timelines. So it's not just a question of giving them advice on how to start the business. But assuming that they're in a reasonably good position to start a business, then the first thing I would do would recommend that they look at putting together a business plan with my help or the help of someone else who's got some experience. That forms what I consider to be a roadmap to success to determine the viability of the business before they start investing too much money or time. The type of things that would be included in that business plan would be timelines, and that revolves around how quickly they can acquire a location, to have that location be prepared, 
the time that it takes to access equipment because if they're buying it from the United States, there's going to be a lead time of somewhere between six to 12 months. So there's no point in committing to a rental expense now for equipment that won't arrive for quite a period. So we'll look at a financial plan, which is generally a cash flow budget. We'll look at a SWOT analysis, which is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats, only so that they can properly assess the business and the market and where they sit within that. They'll need to look at the types of classes they'll be providing and the pricing of those services because that will also help determine the financial viability. Marketing plan is very important because that will determine the size of their market and how quickly they'll capture that. Staffing, whether there are any staffing available and what the costs are, and just general operational costs. So there's quite a bit that goes into advising in relation to a startup business. I've had to write business plans for several reasons. One of those reasons was studying my Pilates diploma. I don't come from a financial background at all. And I found the most challenging part of writing that business plan, the financial section of it, the SWOT analysis, the market analysis, that came a little easier to me, what I wanted to do. I was able to express that and see what else there was on the market, look for a location. But the financial aspect, I think that's very difficult for Pilates instructors, especially those that don't come from financial backgrounds, that is really difficult to put together. Could you break down a little bit what comes under the financial section of that business plan so that people can become a little bit more familiar with some of the terms? Perhaps you can explain the terms or what they show in business. In terms of a financial plan, I generally refer to, in this context, a cash flow budget. Cash flow budget, by definition, is a source of money. The source of money could be from your customers, could also be from savings, or it could be from employment. Someone starting out of business may also still be a contractor. So we put all those funds together and say, well, that's our source of funds. Then we look at the cash outflow, which is going to be required to run this business, and that gives us an ending cash balance. That ending cash balance, we then put in some sort of time frame, either weekly or monthly, and they tend to all be combined into a spreadsheet. Generally, what I do is project out for 12 months and then compare those monthly budgets to actual results and then review those budgets every month and add on another month at the end of the last month. So we've always got a rolling 12 monthly budget. So it's a cash flow budget and it's really the steering wheel for the business in terms of where it's heading financially and helping to make better management decisions. What's included in it specifically? Before you actually start operating, you've got your setup costs. So you need to budget for those. I call those your setup budget. That's important because generally, without doing research, you don't really know what it's going to cost to set up. And you need to organize your funding around ensuring that you've got enough money to set up the business. If the cash flow budget then shows that you're taking one to six to 12 months before you generate a profit, you also need to have funding in place for that. That's why it's so important to project out 12 months. So if I can ask about projecting out 12 months, a lot of people would be asking themselves, how do I foresee and project what will happen when I first open the doors to my Pilates studio? What advice would you give to someone so that projections can be made as accurately as possible? 
The setup costs can be predicted a lot more accurately because you've got fixed price for equipment, whether it be trapeze tables or reformers or various equipment. In terms of your operating budget, the most important aspect is the revenue. In determining what your revenue is going to be, that's really a prediction based on what you understand of your ability to attract the customers. Is there a client base that you can tap into or do you need to spend a lot of time on marketing? There's never guarantees about your revenue. That's the hardest part to predict. Unless you're transitioning from, let's say, a gym type environment where you're already providing classes and you know that X number of people are going to come across with you. So you know you've got that as your minimum income and then you try and market to interested parties like physios, sporting groups, etc. You may have a commitment from people as to them coming across, but there's never any guarantees. What I'm understanding is that some projections can be very accurate, like your setup costs, because you've done your research and you know that a reformer will cost this much and a chair might cost this much and your mirrors might cost this much. But there are some projections like your revenue that are more difficult to project accurately. So then there's a level of risk that's involved. Correct. So the more understanding you've got of your industry and the competition, the better you can predict your revenue. Your expenses, on the other hand, or your outflows, that may include rent, finance costs, labour costs, operating costs, power, et cetera, et cetera. You can guess those pretty accurately. So in terms of a cash flow, I like preparing three cash flows. One is a really conservative cash flow, your worst possible scenario, a realistic one that you think you can easily achieve, and an optimistic one. Amongst all that, you need to work out what your break-even budget is. If you estimate your operating costs to be $5,000 a month, then you know you need to generate $5,000 of revenue per month to break even. You need to know what that break-even point is and then try and generate the income to match that. Then you need to do things to accelerate you achieving that break-even, i.e. marketing, letter drops, engaging key influencers like physios and sporting bodies like I mentioned earlier. Nick, what are some of the operating costs? There are quite a few things to consider. I know each business is different, but in a Pilates studio, could you just give us some examples of some of the operating costs that someone who's just starting out would need to consider? Some of the obvious ones are your rent, wages if you've got those, your light and power, any rates and taxes that you need to pay, your cleaning materials. The things that you don't think about are insurance, public liability insurance. That's one people miss. The other one is that if you anticipate your revenue to be more than 75000 per annum, then there's GST applicable. So you need to register for GST and then you need to add GST to your prices. If you don't, then you need to remit one eleventh of your turnover to the ATO, less any credits that you build up. As soon as you are in a position that you think you're going to achieve that, then you need to register for GST. Other costs include things like telephone, any subscriptions to your association, and replacement of some of your working tools. There's always repairs and maintenance required. You've got computer expenses if you're keeping records, stationery, any technology to receive payments. There's bank fees. Advertising, marketing can be quite a big cost, letter drops and any Facebook or social media. These are all the things that you need to include in your cash flow budget so you can allow or reduce 
if your income is only five thousand per month and your expenses are ten, then you're making a net loss of five thousand. So you need to start cutting back on some of your costs or increase your income or a combination of. So by comparing your actual results to your budget, you'll quickly be able to make better management decisions on a timely basis. I know that some businesses use finance during the initial stage to assist with business expenses. Under what circumstances would this be something to consider and when would it be wise to avoid going down this path? It's a difficult question only because sometimes finance is good and sometimes it's bad. Finance in the context of equipment is risky as positive cash flow may not be achieved early in the business, but the finance payments are required to be made monthly. So you need to be certain that outside funds are available if your business is slow and growing or it starts off, as most businesses do, with a negative cash flow. Ideally, you start the business not requiring any finance. But if it's not avoidable, then you need to be able to source some outside funds if your business is not in a position to pay that monthly repayment. What I'm hearing from that is if you can, it's really best to avoid finance because you've got the loan repayments while you're still growing and you're probably not making the amount of money you need to in order to pay back your loan. Yeah, potentially. It also depends on the size of the business. If you need certain size premises, which then requires you to have 10 reformers because a business model with five reformers doesn't work, then you might need to finance some of those reformers. So it's a tricky question. This is where it's really important to do a business plan, have those different levels of cash flows to determine what you want your business to look like and what you're planning to achieve. So sometimes finance is necessary for your business to be successful and sometimes finance helps your business not to be as profitable as what you'd like. It really is dependent on your business model. And like you said, if you were perhaps moving from a gym and then you're looking at opening a Pilates studio, maybe you already have the money to pay back any bank loan you may have. So in that case, finance may be an option. Correct. Just changing topic for a moment, I often hear that successful business owners are willing to take financial risks. Some people like taking risks. Some people are really prudent in not taking them. When you start a business, could you give some examples of this and what advice would you give to mitigate the risks involved? Again, a very broad question. In terms of risk, when you start a business, and this is very much general, within two years of operating a business, 25% of businesses close down. 50% of businesses then fail within five years of startup. So the percentage of failure is quite high. And obviously, over the last two years during a COVID-19 period, those statistics would be higher. Now, most people that start their own business start it with not enough funding. They generally set up the business with as much money as they can possibly use. It generally is not sufficient to cover their setup costs, so they finance some of that. Then they'll start the business with a net operating loss so that they are then digging a bigger hole for themselves in terms of negative cash flow. Running out of money is the number one contributor to businesses failing. These are opinions. The next biggest reason is poor marketing because any business is very much dependent on its revenue and controlling its costs, of course. A poor business plan will help contribute to failure. 
So it goes without saying that having a business plan will help minimize your risks and having sufficient finance or monies will help minimize the risk. Good marketing plan will help minimize risk. Good management will help minimize risk. Generally, people that start up small businesses are good in their field, they're good in their profession, but not necessarily have the right business management skills. That's where it's important to outsource some of those skills and seek advice to make better management decisions, always based on as much information as they've got and cash flows do help do that. Who would you be contacting, Nick, in order to help you with this? Is it a financial planner? Is it an accountant? Is it someone that specializes in finance? Who would you be going to for assistance with the financial aspect of your business, especially if you're starting out? Generally, accountants can help because they have experience through their own clients. Because they're preparing financials for various clients and giving advice, then they know the pitfalls of starting a business. They know the strengths and weaknesses around cash flows and budgets. And they can actually help you prepare the budget, monitor the budget, and assess it against actual results. So they can give you very good feedback because they're aware of the information and your background. So very important to get good advice. That may also be a business coach if they're quite experienced. So generally people with some business experience. Thank you very much for sharing your knowledge with us today, Nick. What I'm understanding from what you've said is the most important thing is your business plan. Then you need to look at the financial aspects of that business plan. There are things such as operating costs, labor costs, a good cash flow. That would explain what's coming in, what's going out of the business. You mentioned qualifications. It's great to hear you say that because from my small understanding of business, if you've got a product or a service that you're offering that is a good service, then you can have repeat customers and be able to maintain the clients you currently have. Thank you again, Nick Formichella. You're welcome. Thank you very much to the PAA for inviting me on and uh, hopefully it helps some of your members. Thank you. Thank you. There is a membership category for every Pilates enthusiast, where the Alliance provides a wide range of information, resources and support for everything you want to know more of with Pilates. Help us expand the message of the PAA by sharing with your network of friends and colleagues today so that the Pilates community can continue to be a vibrant and inspiring network for everyone's benefit. You can become a member today by visiting the links in the show notes. For existing members, join us on the PAA Member Forum Facebook page where you'll find an ongoing supply of resources and conversations to continue supporting you and your participation and involvement in the many levels of Pilates here in Australia. The Pilates Alliance Australasia only exists because of the contributions of the Pilates community. If there's a topic or a conversation you would love to share on the podcast, then we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pilates Alliance podcast. Please leave your comments on the Pilates Alliance Members Forum Facebook page. Remember, for anyone who is yet to become a member, we'd love to have you put your voice forward for the benefit of progressing Pilates here in Australia.